0: on hope that began after we talked about prayer because we ended up with laments. And, you know, if, if you've missed the series, you know, feel free to go back. So in February, we were talking about, you know, how to pray, the importance of prayer. And then as we began in March, we talked about how some of these prayers especially like when you read through the Psalms or a lot of places in the Bible, it's really a lament, and a lament is a pouring out of your heart to God and not being afraid if you're mad at God just to say it. But a lament always ends with acknowledging God's power and his ability to handle a situation, and then ultimately that hope is at the end of a lament. And I ask, okay, I know you're able, so please help me. So we looked at what that was, and then we wanted to look at some stories in the Bible of examples of these things. And so we looked in the book of Daniel, and we, we saw how, you know, Daniel faced the, the lion's den. We've seen him in the last few times. We looked at David and Goliath, and we talked about how, you know, David's going around, like, basically lamenting, like, you know, who is this? You know this uncircumcised Philistine like we serve a God who is great he's able right and acknowledging who can do that we looked at Meshach Shadrach and Abednego and their situation where an evil king told them that they had to bow down to an idol or they would be thrown into a fiery furnace and they said our God is able to save us but even if he doesn't we will still serve him so with that With that example of hope, we we talked about how even if God doesn't do it the way we wanted to do it, will you still serve him? But today I finally want to get, as we finish up, I want to look at one final story and remind us how this one applies to our life because I think this is the area where most of us get stuck. What about the situations that you're in that, You feel or you did cause what about those times right I mean we've looked at David and Goliath well David didn't cause that problem right an enemy came and challenged them and David had to step up to a challenge or Meshach Shadrach and Abednego they had to make a decision and ultimately you could say well they were thrown in the fiery furnace because they didn't do what the king wanted but it wasn't like you know they purposely got the king angry right and that was a punishment They stood up for what was right and it was one of those situations where somebody else forced that But what about the situations that you know entirely you did the wrong thing and you're like, why? Did I do this? because what I'll hear people say is well, I can't ask God to help me out of this situation because I did something bad or I caused this situation Now I'm sure right. I could stand here and give you a million examples I've talked to people that feel this way because they got divorced or Because they got upset at work, and they got fired well now they can't you know now two months later They're trying to deal with what to do because they've been unemployed or or right or 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 lots of different Situations we can talk about where it's hard when Satan wants to whisper in our ear and say, You deserve this. You caused this. You screwed up. And then all of a sudden you feel like, Well, I can't ask God to get me out. I caused it. Now I've got to deal with it. And I've even had people quote to me and they'll say, Well, God helps those who help themselves. So I got myself into this, right, you made that bed, now you got to sleep in it. And I'm like, well, first of all, neither one of those phrases is in the Bible. God continually says, come to me, come to me, all you weary and heavy laden, come and I will give you rest, come, you know, ask and you shall receive. It's always interesting when you read those, he doesn't say, Ask and you shall receive. If you didn't cause the problem in the first place, right? Or come to me if you need rest. If you have been doing everything perfect, there's never like one of those add-ons. Like I look for it, I never see it. I'm like, where? I had someone. I you know, many of you probably are on social media. I have a page on Facebook that's Pastor Mary Rathke, and over the years, you know, I've shared just different things and. And so yesterday, at one point, I, I put the the Bible verse, um, you know, for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then in the description, I put a few, you know, different Bible verses, and I just, you know, wanted to address the whole sin issue because it's always something people talk to me about. And uh, at the women's meeting last this last week, we we looked at a letter to a Gentile church, and Paul was very clear. He says, your salvation comes from faith alone, not by works, lest any man should boast. Now, in many of Paul's letters, he talks about the benefits of not sinning, right? The law was given to the Jewish people so they would know how to get along in society. But he also always goes back to, but your salvation is faith alone. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So in my post, I just addressed that a little bit. You know, the, you know, a lot of times people say you go to hell because you sin. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in John 3, those who stand condemned are condemned because they do not believe in Jesus. And then it goes on and it talks about when you come into the light, what you have done is seen plainly. So it doesn't say that when you accept Jesus and you come into the light, you don't sin anymore, right? It just says it's, it's seen plainly. So it's just it's just a basic thing. You know, it's call upon the name of the Lord, you're saved. Well, it was interesting because someone had commented on it and kept saying, well, but what about this? Or what about this? Or what about this? And I would be like, have you read Acts 15? You know, Acts 15 is the whole explanation as to when the gospel got spread and all of a sudden the Gentiles Filled with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. Miracles are happening And the Jewish missionary Christians go and visit And they are confronted with the fact that these Gentiles Are sexually promiscuous Or they eat food that Jewish people shouldn't eat So they begin telling them all these Jewish laws and how their day-to-day life could be so much better Well, your wife's mad because you were at the neighbor's last night, right? If you don't sin You know, and then all of a sudden there becomes this confusion of, is this just a good way to live or is this what I need for salvation? So in Acts 15, they go to the apostles and say, which of the laws do we have to follow? And they say, your salvation is from faith alone, right? But obviously we've got these Jewish missionaries that are visiting. They said, we do ask you to please, you know, abstain from sexual immorality and to not eat meat from strangled animals there are certain foods that the Jewish people didn't like to eat so you know as we go through this and go through life there's going to be people like the man that was commenting on my page that even though the scripture is very clear because so much of the word that we read was directed towards the Jewish people especially all of the Old Testament that when we see things that talk about, well, if you sin, then you're cursed, that we think that that means it applies to me as a Christian today. But if I was cursed every single time I sinned and broke one of the 333 laws, that means I would be cursed every single day because some of those laws don't even apply to us in this moment. One of the laws is don't wear clothing that has two different fabrics in it. One of the laws is... Do, men, do not cut the hair on your sideburns. Like, there's so many laws. It's like, well, which law then am I cursed or blessed with? Now, if we look at it with common sense, and as Paul says, look at the spirit of the law, right? If, if I have an affair, or if I'm stealing from the stores, or if I'm murdering people, yeah, I, I, I'm cursing myself by my actions here on earth, right? And I'm going to have somebody really mad at me. But if I think that I can't ask God for anything because he hates me because I'm sinning Then I would never be able to ask him for help And that my friends is the place where most of us get in life at least once Where we're in a situation and we know We are the cause we know That in that moment I fell for that addiction or I got stubborn and angry and I raged, or I, whatever it is. And that little voice whispers in our head and says, you can't ask God for help because you sinned, you caused this, God wants to curse you. And we have to remind ourselves, no, God loves me. God wants to help me. He wants me to turn to him. times people say like what does the word repent mean it means to turn well what am I turning from turning from your sin and and that's how we preach it turn from your sin the focus is on how bad you were and you need to turn away from your sin because that my friends is what the Bible says right to focus on all that horrible stuff and just to live a life now focused on your actions actually when I read the Bible it's turn to God He is my focus. I'm turning away from what used to give me pleasure. And you can't tell me that some of the sins we do don't cause us pleasure, because they do. It's not turn away from that and focus on your actions. It's turn away from that and focus on a God who loves you and who wants to bless you and who's going to help you. And turn to God and let that be your new source. The turning is not from something. The turning is to something. And we want to be turned to God. So the story of hope that I wanted to look at today was the story of Jonah. Some of you may have heard of Jonah. Some of you may not have heard of Jonah. Some of you might want to get technical and religious with me as I tell you the story of Jonah. I've heard it all, believe me, you, me. So Jonah was a prophet, and in that date and time, those that could hear the voice of God would make prophecies, predictions, and if they happened, they were revered and they knew they actually heard from God. But if they made a prophecy about something and it didn't happen, you're supposed to like stone them and kill them and not listen to them because they're claiming they're hearing from God But the thing isn't happening. So The prophets especially Jonah. He was very aware of that and He didn't like it when God sent him on a mission when he knew What God was doing? So God had gone to Jonah and says I want you to go talk to these, this town Because they're just so evil so bad the people are crying out right because of the problems And I want you to warn them that I'm going to destroy them if they keep this up. Now, Jonah knows what that means. He's like, ah, God is giving them a second chance. And if God's giving them a second chance, he must know they're going to repent. And if they repent after I tell them he's going to destroy them all and then the town isn't destroyed, I'm going to look like an idiot. And no one's going to believe me the next time I said God said this. And for all we know, Moses or excuse me, I keep saying, did I say Moses really? Jonah, his entire career of prophecy may have been a culmination of hearing from him, it coming true, from him coming true, hearing from him, coming true, hearing from him, coming true, to have this reputation so the day that he talked to Nineveh in this town, they would listen, and all those lives would be saved. And if nobody else in the future ever listened to Jonah and God never used Jonah ever again, that whole career, his whole life, it would have been worth it wouldn't it? Like if God says, I'm going to have you be this prophet, and I'm going to have all these things happen, you get this wonderful reputation, and then you go in and you save thousands and thousands of people from death and destruction, and they turn to me, I mean, that'd be pretty awesome. But Jonah isn't looking at, is this way you've created me, Lord, to save all these people? He's looking at, now my reputation is going to be ruined, because you're not going to end up doing it. So Jonah gets mad and says, no, no, thank you. Let's read about it here in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. I love that, it's come up before me. People have been praying, Lord, deal with this. Whenever you feel like I'm in a really awful situation, have you told God to, to deal with it? He only deals with the things that we present to him. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. His answer was, "Send somebody else. If I get far away and I'm not even conveniently near, he won't he won't use me. I'll go do something else." What's interesting is sometimes when we make a decision to not do the right thing, we run. Or we call it avoid, what do they call it now, ghosting, when you just don't text somebody back. I don't want to confront that person. I don't want to actually talk to that person. I don't have to face what I need to do, so I'm just going to run away. That's what Jonah did Is he ran away. Eh, no thank you. And he went. It says that then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break apart. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo to the sea to lighten the ship. Then the sailors, well, it says, But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. I love First of all, seeing that, number one, Jonah ran away. Number two, he went into a deep sleep. I don't know about you, but sometimes you make a decision and you know it's wrong, and so you run away from it and you get depressed and you just sleep. It's one of the the classic things when they say, you know, someone's suffering from depression they either sleep too much or too little, so your sleep's affected. Well, for Jonah, he went down there and just wanted to sleep. I was going to go to sleep. I don't want to think about it until I wake up at the next place. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and a lot fell to Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? They're like, who are you? That some God wants to threaten all of us because of you. And he answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. He answered them the truth. At that point, he said, I'm just going to tell them what's going on. And this terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? And they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? So they all serve different gods, right? Well, I might serve this God, and he's in charge of this, or I might serve this God, and he's in charge of this. But when he said, I'm a Hebrew, and we serve the God who made the heavens and the earth, right, the sea and the land... All of a sudden they're terrified they have heard of the Hebrew God They have known what the Hebrew God has done and is capable of and they're asking What should we do to appease your God? What are your traditions? What are your rules? Now you would think this is a perfect time for Jonah to say Steer towards Tarshish and I'm gonna go and do what he said right all of a sudden, sometimes we do something and the chaos ensues. And we're like, oh no. I should do the right thing. No, we don't, do we? <laughs> we're like, we're gonna, you know, like now. And Jonah didn't. He didn't say, like, well, you know, let's 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 pray, let's praise him, let's do a, a sacrifice, let's Let's, I'll make a vow that I will go, and you will all say you will make sure I get to this city of, you know, go back to the port and get me to Nineveh. But he doesn't say that. He feels in this moment that he's already made that decision, now he's angered God, and the only way out is death. And sometimes what happens in our life is we have a situation that we are in, and maybe if it's not 100% our fault, we feel like there's part of it's our fault, and we get depressed and want to sleep, we want to run away, we want to avoid it, and we sometimes get to the point of wanting death. And this is what Jonah said. What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. And it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. But the men didn't want to do that. It says, instead the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For You Lord have done as you pleased Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm At this the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him I Love this first chapter as we learn about this Happening of Jonah because these were men who weren't even his friends these were sold you know sailors and strangers to him but it shows you the heart of mankind that as soon as they heard what situation they were he was in they were like what can we do to make your god happy how can we help you in this situation His situation was a flat out God was mad and they're having this out Most of our situations are we've got ourselves into a mess here on earth Because the God being mad and punishing me Jesus already took all of the punishments And now what we're left with is the trouble we face here on earth But Jonah was before Christ and now so they're having this out and mankind, fellow human beings, are like, How can we help you in your struggle? And he refused their help. So, as we look through this first chapter, I always remind myself of when we go through a hard time and we know it's our fault and, and we don't know what to do, we'll avoid it, we'll run away from it, we'll get depressed, we will then want to die. And at that point, when the people around us are like, How can I help? We tell them, There's nothing you can do. Just throw me overboard, just let me die. And they didn't even do it at first. They tried, they tried to get to the other place. And ultimately, they ended up having to just say to God, We're sorry, don't don't blame us for this. He's saying to throw them overboard, we're gonna do that. But what it says what they did after is they feared him and they made sacrifices to him. And that's what he, they had asked him earlier. What can we do to, to appease your God? They were willing to try the sacrifices earlier. So here we go. So now Jonah's thrown into the sea and he dies. You know, it was the ship's captain that gave us that book. That's, that's why we know what happened. And that's the end. Isn't that good? Right? I mean, that's what we think is going to happen, right? Like, this is just so painful. This is just so horrible. just going to die, and it'll be done. But God just doesn't, you know, doesn't end up being that way, does it? Ultimately, what happens in this case is it goes on to chapter, well, verse 17 of chapter 1. It says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now This is where I get myself into trouble if I'm preaching this and there's somebody that's like really technical because I'll ultimately say I'm guessing it was probably a whale because that's like the biggest water looking like a fish that we know of on this earth and Whales come up and they get air and they go back down So there would have been a place in the whale where there would have been breathable oxygen and air And people will be like, but Mary, it doesn't say whale. I'm like, okay, so you've studied ancient Hebrew and you know that there is a different word for whale versus fish, right? Because that's what it was written in. And they always just look at me and I'm like, we can, it doesn't matter, but for our sake, let's imagine that a whale swallowed him and there would have been breathable air in there and he is in there for three days huh this part i get to the story of sometimes when we finally do cry out to the lord and ask for help which we're going to see is what he did which is why god provided the whale we don't like how he rescues us does it do we we're like really like you couldn't have had like uh like a chartered fishing boat pull up you know with maybe the um you know basketball team or you know the girls hockey whatever pick her up and pull me out of the sea glad you know I mean, I'm wondering what Jonah would have rather have been rescued in you know now, you know me not being a guy I wouldn't want the the girls cheer team picking me up I would want the you know the Coast Guard right a bunch of guys on it you guys oh come on you laugh can't you laugh all right but no it was a whale or it was a fish it was something That did not have any cheerleaders down there to keep him entertained or to make him dinner that night It says that the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights From inside the fish Jonah prayed to the Lord his God and he said In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me From deep in the realm of the dead. I cried for your help and you listened to my cry You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. And the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing water threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. The roots of the mountains I sank down to the earth Beneath barred me in forever, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. What I love about this is he said, when I was in distress, I called to you. When the seaweed was wrapping around my head, so this wasn't once he got into the whale, like now he's telling you his proclamation when he's in the whale, but he's saying, when I was out there and the waves were all over me and I was in my depths, I cried out to the Lord and he rescued me. It is so hard for us to comprehend it, but God is a gentleman and he doesn't rescue you until you ask for help. He wants, you, he wants us to say, help me. And when we ask for that help, then he comes along and rescues us. It might be a stinky whale that's going to give us a three-day voyage. I'd rather be on a cruise ship out in the sea for three days. we got to be anywhere, if I'm being honest with you. People talk about sailing in those little sailboats. Uh-uh. You feel every single wave on a little sailboat, and I bet I'm gonna to have to take my turns with washing those dishes. Cruise ship, food's there. It's so big you hardly feel the waves. I don't know what it was like in its sight of a whale or a big fish. But Jonah waited until. He was at the absolute bottom before he cried out to God and then as soon as he did God showed up and rescued him and I often think did he wait so long to ask God for help because he felt like God's not gonna help me I did this I ran away from him I caused this storm and if Jonah felt that way What about us? Have you ever said I can't ask for help I created this storm? And if that is the case I am here to tell you That God loves you just as much as he loves Jonah and That God will send you a miracle just like he did Jonah Now it's a miracle because that was probably not something natural to happen and for him to survive it and then for the what we read here at the end of chapter 2 in verse 10 it says and then the lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land so when you find yourself hearing about praying And when you find yourself understanding about the lament and you finally give yourself permission to when you're mad just to let them know But you remind yourself to end it with but you are great. You are able now help me Now we need to remind ourselves and give ourselves permission to do that in every situation every time even when we feel we are to blame for the storm that is around us. Because he is more than able, he is willing, and he wants to help you. But he's waiting for you to ask. I love, though, what his prayer was, what he actually said. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. In verse 6, at the end, it says, But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. In your distress sometimes you don't have the words you don't even know what to ask for but you can say help me help me Lord when he was down with a seaweed around his head do you think he said now Lord I, I have heard rumors of a really big fish that when it comes up it brings in air And I think that that's what I would like to be in right now. Please can I order two of those you know He didn't he didn't know what would rescue him. He didn't know what the answer was. I'll be honest with you He was probably thinking Lord help me get back to the top and have that boat come by and fish me out and put me back in their boat That's probably what he was hoping for But that's not what he got (laughs) But when he said help, God helped him. And then, while he was in that place, he said, "Thank you. I cried out to you, and you helped me. Now I'm in another mess. So, I, if you get me to land, I will declare to everyone that salvation is from the Lord." Right at that point, he's like, "Okay, now I need to pray again. Like, help me out of this thing." Thank you for, I'm not in the bottom of the sea, but now I'm inside of a whale. Thank you for the whale. Can I please get back on land and I will declare your name forever. And those are the phases we go through when we have storms in life. And for most of us, it's really easy when we feel like, I shouldn't be in this situation, so help me. But it's harder for us to say, I caused this situation but help me. And maybe I've got a partial rescue here. Thank you, but keep helping me. And that is, for me, the biggest part I get out of Jonah is he never stopped asking for help. But it took him to get through that depression and wanting to die phase where he'd get back to asking for help. And some of us go through it because that's just humanity, right? But when we hear these stories of hope and we see these examples our our goal or our hope, right, would be that we don't wait till we are at that point. We recognize that we can ask for that help sooner. So when we look again, and I know I've done this a few times, but in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It means something a little bit different when you're reminded that Paul really means every situation, even the ones that you feel like you caused Paul was told to preach to the Gentiles but yet he would go into towns and go into the synagogues and preach to the Jews and they would get so mad they would arrest him and you know ultimately he ended up in Rome and ultimately he was killed but at one point the Holy Spirit who was on the people around him they all prophesy to him and they say don't go you're going to be arrested. You're going to be chained you know, don't go and he does it anyway I mean, I am not one person here If you want to find a pastor who thinks everybody in the Bible was perfect You got to go find a different pastor because God's Word says all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God and sometimes I read this and I say well, I, you know, who knows, right? There's a lot of people I probably want to talk to him If I ever did get a chance in heaven to talk to Paul, I would be like, in retrospect, looking back, do you wish that you would have obeyed God and only preached to the Gentiles? And could you have lived another 50 years? Could you have brought the gospel all the way to, you know, Britain and England by the time you died, rather than this limited scope where you traveled? Because you kept getting in trouble and you di- weren't doing what God wanted you to do. And I don't know what he will say. But I do know that even though he had been warned and he would end up in these situations, we can read by his letters that he would ask God for help. Now, if Paul, who has been told not to do this by God, and has been told by others not to do it, finds himself arrested and still cries out to God, if he could do it, Even though he disobeyed and caused these problems, and God still was with him, he loves me just as much as he loves Paul. And God can help me out and you out if we ask for help. So Paul says do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving present your request to God. Well, since today is the last Sunday of the month, we are going to remember what Christ did on that cross and that because of the blood that was shed and the body that was broken, we now have the ability to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. So we're going to take communion and remember what he did. But I want all of you to take a moment and examine your hearts and say, God, help me. Think about a situation maybe you've been in. Think about maybe some anxiety you've been having and you thought it was just your job to figure it out. What, What situation is that? Think about that in your head right now. God wants to help you yes you you've, maybe you've tried your best or maybe you've been like jonah and you've been ignoring it or you've been running away from it or maybe you've been feeling depressed or suicidal or whatever god wants to help you in this moment in that situation so father god as we think about this situation we want you to know that we need your help and as we participate in this communion service and as we take the juice and the bread and are reminded of what Christ did on the cross for us help us not only to accept his salvation that we receive from what he did but help us to also receive his blessings and the peace and the healing and as we take it we're asking you to intercede on our behalf and help us In Jesus name we pray. Amen We'll have the ushers come forward and we will bless the elements And we have the they're little individually sealed So take when you when you receive your elements take a few minutes to peel off the top get your wafer separate And then we will take it all together But first, let me me bless it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I consecrate this bread and juice for Holy Communion. Father, may your Holy Spirit fill it in the name of Jesus. We pray, remember, and trust in you. Amen. All right. So feel free to peel these open. I know many have heard me share the scriptures time and time again but I love when we read through Isaiah 53:5, where it talks about what we receive because of what happened on Good Friday we see here where it says well, verse 4 is great too it says surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering yet we considered him punished by god stricken by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed so in in matthew 26 we see that they had this passover meal and the jewish tradition was to have the, the lamb and eat the flesh of the lamb, and they would do that every year to remember that that the lamb would be sacrificed to the blood would cover their sins. So what a fitting place, what a fitting time for him to go to the cross the next day and to be able to say to his disciples, now instead of every year having lamb and eating the flesh of an animal that is the cover of your sins for your salvation. Now, every time you get together, you have some wine, you have some juice, you have some bread. When you have that, remember my blood that was shed for you. Remember that my flesh was broken for you. So that you have forgiveness of your iniquities, which are those things that you struggle with day after day after day. So you have forgiveness of those trespasses. But not only that, that you may have peace and that your body may have healing. So we see here in Matthew 26, 26... While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. So let's take the bread, and let's eat it. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you that not only was his blood shed for us, but that his body was whipped And by his wounds we are healed. That his body was crushed and now we have the peace put upon us. And we thank you for redeeming all of us even while we're here on earth. We thank you for healing. We receive it in our bodies right now in the name of Jesus. Things that we don't even see, that we don't even know, if there's any cancer cells in our body, eradicate them right now. In the name of Jesus, cover us from head to toe. Bring healing to our hearts and to our kidneys and livers and pancreas. Father God, come into our body and revitalize it. And bring comfort and peace to our souls. In Jesus' name. In verse 27, it says, Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many For the forgiveness of sins, let us take the cup Father we thank you that the blood was shed when he was pierced when he was nailed to the cross And that blood was shed for us to have forgiveness of our sins Help us to know that we do not stand before you with shame or condemnation, but Christ came so that we would not be condemned. That we would be able to stand there and say, I am righteous because of what Christ did. And we can come to you. We thank you for that. We thank you for that forgiveness. We receive it right now. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Well, I hope these stories of hope have encouraged you And I ask you to uh, please take those cards and let your friends and neighbors know about our Good Friday and Easter services coming up. And I hope you all have a wonderful week. God bless.